life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. I'm coming to terms with a brand new reality in my life. <laughs> I'm wondering if I so, know where this is going I, already. I, I really don't understand. For the first time in my life, I own three cars. Congratulations. I own three cars. The, the, the 16-year-old version of me, I've never been cooler to that guy than I am right now. <laughs> you're starting your car collection. It's the craziest it, You're building thing. and growing. Yes, I guess. I guess. This is great. Congratulations. And I, I also don't, thank you. I also don't understand why um, I bought two cars in under two months. That's also very weird. <laughs> yes. But now that you've teased everybody, I think I you owe the audience an explanation as to yes. what you bought I have bought a why. winter car. I have bought a winter car. Yes. So as, as you know, if you're following along and, and you are because you're listening, the, uh, so I have 2006 Lotus Elise that I love. Yes. That I love. And there's obviously ongoing Lotus lessons. There were more Lotus lessons this week. Well, actually, just <laughs> since Tuesday, there's been more Lotus lessons. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. So there's that. But – Last weekend, I finally bought – I say finally. I, I bought the winter beater. I bought the winter car because I, while I am the crazy guy that would drive the Lotus Elise in the winter, I just flat out don't want to. I don't want to do that to yeah, that car. Yeah, yeah, So I wanted to get something that – we talk about being precious. I don't have to be precious about it all. So the key things for you to know from my consideration is five grand was my budget. As much as we talk about the $5,000 car on this show and mm -hmm. say, don't do it, get a better car because of maintenance and all that stuff. Anyway. Despite all that yeah. talk, here we are at the $5,000 car. Because I just, again, that was the, the money that I had. That's point, point one. Right. I knew it would be a discussion point for the podcast. That did cross my mind. Okay, let's shop like we've talked about for $5,000 cars. That th I thought about the fact we can talk about that. It's not like the deciding factor, but we can now. I can kind of take my own medicine. There's that. But I also just thought all it really has to do is run and have a heater. Yes, it doesn't saying it that. It doesn't have but, to be a great place to be. You know. And for those of you that are wondering, yes, yes, I did look at cheap Phaetons. <laughs> Paul kept shaking his head at me. Paul shook his head so violently, I think he hurt himself one day. Yeah, my I seen the chiropractor because of my neck. No, uh, we we had the mechanic that we take our Porsches to. Yes, <clears throat> yes. He he's just Porsche Volkswagen to, mechanic. We he, asked him. He happened to look up on his price list on his computer about uh -huh. you know parts, and he said, "You know what? Let me just look up an Audi A8 because it's pretty much the same car. Let Mostly me find same out parts. what one air suspension shock at one corner costs." Mm -hmm. It was over seven hundred dollars. Yeah, it was. It was almost a thousand dollar shock for yeah. one. For one, and I'm but, gasping, but, lay on the floor. And but the one that the one that made me laugh, Todd's like genuinely, well, that's made not me laugh. too bad. Well, uh, well, because I just expected, <laughs> I, I expect a raping with like a used Phaeton. But and, and I found Sheesh. one. I found one in Chicago for thirty four hundred dollars. A Phaeton. Yikes! Is all I have to say. I know. At that car. I know. Yikes. And I am such a glutton for punishment that a part of me was like. Yeah, but if I could just get it here and it would run for six months. <laughs> so this was happening. But then the fact that, that our, our local mechanic looked up, he was like, your problem is not the engine because that 4.2 liter V8 runs. Because he's, he's, he's a guy that knows all about these things. He said, the problem is actually your transmission. Oh, yeah, right. So he said, let me look that up. And here we are talking about, again, four to $5,000 Phaetons. He said, yeah, if your transmission goes, he said, it might be fine. That was his comment. It might be fine. But if it goes, <laughs> 9000 Dollars, 
twice what you'd pay uh-huh. for the car for the transmission. It's now a, a is that a donation or is that a do, do you put it out in the ocean and turn it into a, a one of those coral reefs? I mean, it's yes, just yes. Or you let a tree grow up through the middle of it or something. Perfect. perfect. Or maybe it's an art car, or you stand it on end, and suddenly it's you know Stonehenge or something. <laughs> the fate and art car, I like it. But but all of this coming back to where I where I landed. I went shopping exactly like we've told you about five thousand dollars cars. I didn't look for a specific car. I mean, <laughs> after the Phaeton thing got, after I got my senses back to me a little bit. It was like, here's Just, the thing: I would still I'm really my like lucky to stars. do it. I'd still really like to do it. But after the, the money that's gone out the door for the Lotus, yeah. it's just like I, I have to do something smarter than that, which honestly is a low bar. That's an easy, that's an easy bar to extend. Okay, I, I will admit that. Because maybe the Phaeton runs or maybe it becomes a massive tire fire for cash in my front yard. One of those that's two. what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So I, I went to our Ooh. local thing, that our local Craigslist equivalent. I know that sounds weird, but Utah has a different thing they call KSL. Mm-hmm. And you just I went in there and I, just, I plugged in $5,000 and I just started page – page, yeah. page, just started looking through. Found things like Pontiac Aztecs and thought, of course you did. That would be a riot. I mean, I did genuinely think that. I, I mentioned that to my wife yesterday and she went, you didn't think that. But anyway, Pontiac <laughs> Aztecs. I found Acura TLs. Did you? I found lots of Mazda 3s, which was a real front runner for we a while. We were talking about Mazda 3s for a while uh-huh. and I just thought, you uh-huh. know what? I like this. You can get them for 2500 bucks. They will just run. And, and for they're not super exciting. For 4000 to $5,000, they were actually in kind of decent shape with yeah. lower mileage than you expect. Yeah. And then I bumped into I, – I literally – I wasn't <laughs> looking for these cars. I bumped into Mini Coopers and Cooper S, and I was like, I didn't think they were that cheap. So I started just searching <laughs> for that. Go back far enough, and they are. Well, yeah. I just started searching for that and discovered quite a few, actually. Yeah. And then I started discovering there were quite a few S's. That were local, which means I don't have to travel, which helps the budget again. Yeah. Under five grand. Yeah. So I started going, Mini Cooper S. I like the British theme. That's accidental, but I do like the British yeah, theme. Yeah, you, you've picked up on that, everybody, right? And now it now it's two British cars, it is. It is, by yes. the way. But it's also, I like the fact of kind of thinking about what is the guy my size that drives a Lotus Elise as a daily when the weather's nice, drive when the weather's bad. Well, I would like to drive something else that is manual, small, dynamic, all of those things, but can survive the winter. Mini Cooper kind of does it. Mini? I think Mini instantly. I, I no, just, I don't. I, I know you don't. I know you don't. But I, but I really thought that does actually kind of work. So I started looking Mini Cooper S's locally here in Salt Lake. And a lot of them were 120, 130,000 miles. Did, you know, did some research. Uh, the early gen ones... You don't want to get the first year or two, which is like 0203. You don't want to get those. And you don't want the automatic. Okay. It's like a ticking clock. Okay. To disaster. <laughs> the other problem is that these minis are known to have various leaks. So you, you want to be careful about are they leaking? And I, there were a few Mini Cooper S's out there that, that here's, the, here's the ad. The pictures look good. And the last line is selling as is. Hmm. Run away. Reach out to those people and find the laundry list of things that makes it an as-is. Right. And then I saw this one. It's about 90 minutes north of us. It's a decent drive. Yeah, yeah. But it was listed at $4,900. Which I will say, I thought it was expensive for an 05 Mini. Well, Cooper S. Yes, I thought it was expensive. But here's the thing, though. Again, I was only looking under five grand. Right. If I'd been looking under ten grand, there'd be a ton of them that were well over five thousand dollars that are that old. It's not like they were. They're all under five grand. No, I know. So, so I I mean, there's plenty of them that are worth more than that. I mean, I'm surprised it's worth that little at all. But this guy, an O five 
that he's owned since new. One owner car. And I thought, that's interesting. Clearly, he loves it. Clearly, it has never been enough of a money pit to get rid of in more well, than a decade. It kind of was, though, in a well, way. Not a money pit, but a, he did a lot of maintenance himself. But right? that's, that's the interesting thing. Is I reached out to him, and I just said, can you send me more pictures of the car? Because he had one picture up. And he sends me a few more pictures, and I suddenly see this car sitting in his garage. And I can tell from the photos two things. One, the garage is spotless. Mm-hmm. Two, mm-hmm. it's got a big tool rack kit in it and a four-point lift that I went, oh, you're this guy. You're this owner that's had it since new. This car I want to see. And so my wife and I drove the very long drive, took a good part of our day up there to look at this car. And it was honestly, was twice as nice as I expected. 180,000 miles, which is a terrible headline. Yeah. When when you texted me and you were just getting excited, I thought, okay, I'm not there looking at the car. Mm -hmm. You guys are. Mm -hmm. But that still seemed high to me. I was thinking, all right, Four grand, maybe forty five hundred yeah. at the top end. Yeah, but didn't you tell me that he had been asking fifty nine hundred? It had sat for a while, uh, advertised at that price, but then it had also just sat because he bought a. <laughs> <laughs> the car hadn't been driven in the past year because he bought an FRS and stopped driving the Mini. The Mini had been his year round car, and he kind of lives up a mountain. Been his year round car here in Utah. Winter tires and summer, winter and summer tires and wheels included. Mm-hmm. He's been driving it year round, but a year ago he just stopped driving it because he bought an FRS and now drives that year round. Which I laughed about when I walked in his garage. That car was also spotless, but I was standing there looking at this car, going, "This is worth a lot more than he's asking." I think, but at the same time, I mean, your response is f- fully fair. Of is this dangerous? I just was thinking, yikes, scary. But he, but he put it up on a lift. And he essentially identified everything wrong with the car. And over the past year of it being uh, on a lift, he fixed it all. You told me he he, he disassembled the entire supercharger took off, over took apart the, the supercharger, or something? And took apart the supercharger, redid all the seals, yeah. rebuilt the supercharger like it's brand new, walked me. Because that's the great thing about buying a car from somebody with a lift. He put, as soon as I got there, he put it up on the lift above my head. And we walked under the car. We looked at all the major components. And he showed me a place this belt and I fixed these seals and this part of the oil pan always leaks on these. Notice this one isn't leaking. I was looking and I noticed. I was sitting here going, look, this is a scary amount of miles if you look at the headline. Oh my gosh. But this yeah. car is shockingly clean. And and I will defer back to you. So I pull it into the driveway earlier this week. Yeah. And I just said, come out and see the car. So this is where it gets uh, interesting, I guess. Well, not interesting, but I was just scared and skeptical, of course. I wasn't on the drive. I wasn't there. And I thought, all right, you know, your your judgment is fair. And I <laughs> I got in. You're only wrong sometimes. <laughs> and when you are, you're really wrong. Things like phaetons go through my head. It's really scary in here. You might be right, really, but really I doubt scary it. in my skull. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking at the car. I'm thinking, all right, this looks pretty clean, but it's also at night. You know, you came over and that's true. Doing a came podcast. Over to do the podcast. It was nighttime. We did turn lights on, but yes, I agree with going, you. Going all right, so we start to inspect the car, and I'm thinking, all right, one owner. This is way too clean. The seats actually are supportive. They're mm-hmm. not mashed Absolutely. down. Yeah. So we went around the block. I'm still in disbelief. <laughs> the shifter feels pretty tight and solid. Yeah. 
the steering, it runs, the car purrs. Yeah. Didn't you say there was some bad gas because it had been sitting for like 18 months? The only... Just f- sitting yeah, there. The only thing I can seem to find on it is that it's it's coughing a little bit on the gas that's been sitting in it, which I'm, I'm but just get working that through. through. But yeah, it's... And... That's the only thing about it that isn't, doesn't feel perfectly normal. Yeah. I, I just... Yeah, we took it around the block. We're still... <laughs> your mouth is still hanging open disbelief. For sure, I for just sure. bought this car. I'm going, you just bought this car, 180,000-mile yeah, Mini yeah. Cooper S. I, I rolled over 180,000 miles yesterday, and I happened to take a photo because I rolled into a parking lot at 180,000. Like, there we go. There it is. Perfect. So, I mean, that's a scary amount of miles. That's 20,000, well, 15,000 more miles than when I sold the Sabaru. And some of you asked if I was buying another Sabaru. Uh, that was on the consideration list, but I wanted a new experience too. So, Mini Cooper, my, my garage is now Porsche, <laughs> Mini Lotus, which I'm quite proud of, if I'm honest. It's a great garage. And here's the thing. It is. It, it ultimately, the car so far has genuinely surprised me at a level twice as nice as I expected for my winter car. So it just needs to run. It's, it's literally my expectation. It needs to run. It needs it to run and have a heater. It definitely needs to. And right now, it's so far beyond that, it's kind of shocking. Well, you know how we talk about maintenance, everyone, all the time. That always factors into our decision here in the car debate. This is definitely, it's a one-off. You don't find cars (laughs) like this. Maybe two or three other owners on the planet will treat their cars from new like this. You're the second owner of an 05 Mini Cooper S with that many miles. Yeah. Blows my mind, but truly, it is about the maintenance for sure, not the mileage. For sure, okay? and this is that—that's the very obvious thing. That is the this is car is the poster child for that. I mean, I'm—I told you, you know, just like our bodies and anything else, things have to keep maintained. But this one has been over maintained for sure, and for so sure. I completely give it my blessing. I am thrilled <laughs> that you got it. I do hope it continues to run fine. It actually is a BMW. So, it is. It's very funny. <laughs> a BMW. I, I, exactly. You know, and I actually thought of a, a, a recommendation for you, Paul. You ready? <laughs> if you'd like stuff to talk about on the podcast, you could sell your Cayman and your Jeep and buy like four or five questionable cars at about 15 grand. And you'd have, you'd have no end of fodder for the podcast. The car debate would now just be about what doesn't run this week. Hey, we got that problem solved in this car. Between hey, the, something new Between the up, two everyone. of us, we could talk about here is the problem of the moment. And that leads me to the Lotus. Yes, which I'm disappointed to hear this. Oh, well, but it's my own fault. Well my own fault. Well, maybe, I guess. So, as you heard on the last podcast, I spent last weekend, when I wasn't buying a car, the other... This is all I did last weekend. I I tore apart the Lotus and I bought a car. And I keep teasing him. What are you going to do? Buy a car this weekend? Yeah, seriously. So, yeah. Tie my hands down. I'm going to buy a car. Frightening. I I should... Yeah, I should not be allowed to do these things. But anyway, it's happened. Apparently, I'm an adult. Uh, But uh, yeah, I have a good credit rating, and the bank likes me. Good for you. Three cars. It really is a weird world. That's tasty. Uh, Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, Yeah, so winter beater. Um, So I took apart apart the Lotus, as you heard, chasing the alarm components. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you have to do when you're doing this, there's there's two weird oddities in the – well, there's multiple weird oddities in the Lotus. But there's two things that, that you have to kind of do something weird with. It has an immobilizer. Don't think like any other car on the planet that you have the alarm, you hit the fob, you get in, you turn the key. No, no. You have to turn the key and then hit the key fob again to make sure the immobilizer's off, and now you hit the start button, and it's like a three-armed procedure. Don't you have to get out of the car, then you have to build a campfire, dance around the campfire, rubbing your belly, patting your head. And... That's only after a rainstorm. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so I wanted okay, to take well, gosh, out I'm wrong. the immobilizer, which is also part of the alarm system. Immobilizer was gone. The microwave sensor that 
that is way too sensitive. That got taken out, took out the brain of the alarm. All of this happened. But the immobilizer, you have to jump it. What I mean by that is the two parts of it that uh, are looking for information, the immobilizer fob button itself and the fuel pump are the two things that get cut. You have to, to jump those circuits. You have to reconnect those circuits. I did it in the non-destructive way. I literally put like a metal patch mm-hmm. in between the two. Sealed it all back up because, of course, that's behind the firewall or on the firewall behind the seats. (laughs) That are bolted back down into the car. Oh, everything goes back in. Of course it does. Button it all back up. Did all that. Yep. I mean, please don't get me wrong. I I tested this many times before I put it back together. It worked perfectly. The immobilizer is now no longer an issue. Many times? Yes, yes. Many times before I bought the mini. Uh Yes. So anyway, I I had it all working. Perfect. Car runs perfect. Uh, Drove it down to Salt Lake on, uh, on Monday. And I have to say, I drove it down to Salt Lake on Monday, and it felt like – remember, my other car is a Mini, <laughs> and the Lotus made the Mini feel huge. Are you going to get bumper stickers? You know, my other car is – Oh, I have that story that? now from today. Oh, no. I'll catch up. Oh, back no. Up. Yeah, I'm sorry. The stories go on. <laughs> but I got, I got the Lotus down to Salt Lake, and it was parked for a while, and I got back into it later, and I turned the key, and I can tell the ignition's coming on and the immobilizer. That's still gone. But there is no awareness that there's a fuel pump in the car. It doesn't do the telltale whine. It doesn't do anything. It, it, the starter will spin all day, and there is no fuel. So hey. one of those patches is probably not enough. So now I've got to go back in and do the destructive version. I was trying to do the non-destructive version. I'm going to do the destructive version where you actually cut two of the wires and you actually you join those Should wires you together. Consult the Lotus forums or anybody. Oh, else trust me, these before. are the options. These are the options. Trust really? me, this is That's the forum breakdown. Where we're at? Oh yeah, it's where we at. Oh no. So I've got to uh, I got to fix my the fact that my fuel pump is not getting information about the fact of hi, <laughs> please wake up, do your job. So it's a good thing I had the Mini because I've been driving the Mini because I have not had the chance, <laughs> thanks to the 86 pieces I've been editing at night to break into the Lotus again and take the seats out in the firewall to get back and refix the fuel pump link that has apparently gone awry. So the long story short here, it's my own fault. It's my own fault. It's, it's, <laughs> I it's have me. to tease you a little bit. You have, a, a you have to tease me a lot. Broken Lotus in the garage yeah, you while you me just a lot. bought another British it's, car with yes. really high miles to – yeah, that one's working for now. There are many questions about when am I going to buy either A, an adult's car, or B, a reliable car. Those, there's many <laughs> questions, and I've read them all on social media. And I will say that the, my other car is joke came up for real in real life tonight. I was getting gas. Okay. And the guy pulls it next to me in a minivan. And he gets out, and he's probably six or seven inches shorter than me. And he's standing by his minivan, and I'm standing by the mini. <laughs> Is that and a V10 I, in there? I see him looking at me, and all of a sudden he goes, do you fit okay in that? <laughs> and I said to him, as if I were a bumper sticker come to life, I started laughing, and I said, well, actually, my other car is a Lotus Elise. And he went, even smaller? And I said, yeah, the Mini's actually really spacious by comparison. It's great. It's, it's shocking. I could wear a helmet in there and have like three extra inches of headroom. It's nuts. So, yeah, I fit in a Mini, which is technically bumper to bumper, shorter than the Lotus, and feels like a truck by comparison. It's, I live in a weird world. <laughs> I am not normal. People are checking. You've got to post photos of this. It's got a, a sticker on all surfaces uh-huh. of the car. Just I'll post the, it tomorrow, the single yeah. racing number the the bubble the rally circle yeah so uh i i definitely think it needs the number i think you've already decided but you know if you're open for options for numbers you know yeah, i'm sure I, the internet I, can suggest i might a few. i might not number it but i will also say this many of you have asked throughout throughout the podcast and all the years we do in the show do we name our cars oh right now right, i right. have we have both talked about the fact we don't 
understand really naming cars. But I will say this, because people give their cars human names. I've never understood that. What I've also realized has happened, though, since the Sabaru, I'm realizing I have a tendency to give cars nicknames, like other ways to refer to them, but it's not like a name name. Does that make any sense? Yeah. It's like yeah, a yeah. descriptive nickname. It's not, you know, Sally the Cayenne exactly. or Frank the exactly Mini right. or so something like that. So my wife named her Cayenne Pepper. Of course she did. Of course she did. Uh, you know about the Orange Teenager's car. Mm-hmm. I bought the Lotus, and for whatever reason, I just was struck by the fact that that car is Skittle. It is. It's and the mini, because of the circles on the side, is now Spot. <laughs> it's just so I have Pepper, Skittle, and Spot. And I don't know why. And please don't get me wrong. I don't walk through the world referring to these cars this way. I'm not that guy. But these are just kind of our joking names. I have joking nicknames for my three ridiculous – I have a three-car garage. Yeah, you do. That is not normal. Welcome to it. Well, if you don't want a three-car garage, Volvo has the solution for you, apparently, because they have now <laughs> just announced – their monthly subscription payment with care by Volvo. So this is a new plan from our Swedish friends in conjunction with the introduction of the new XC40 compact SUV here. So Which reading looks cool, this, genuinely. Reading information about this. So Volvo is going to still let you buy and lease the XC40, but you can do the subscription thing. So just like you subscribe to Pandora and Spotify and everything. Everything. Every piece of software in your life is going subscription the subscription yeah. model has dawned now, and that is where the money is. And I think it's fascinating to see Volvo be kind of the first one across the line with, don't you want to rent? I actually think BMW and Cadillac are doing somewhat similar programs. But this is this is a straight up, don't you want to subscribe to Volvo? It is. And yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it's it's where things are going. It's where things are already at as far as subscription. But I will give a shout out to Mark, our friend at Drive Clutch in Atlanta. Not an advertisement, but he is part of Drive Clutch, which is pretty cool. And the difference is you get variety with those guys. True. And that's my interest is I get a, you know, a, a spicy variety over here with these cars mm-hmm. versus, mm-hmm. okay, I subscribe to Porsche, which really wouldn't be a bad thing. You wouldn't complain about being I wouldn't subscribed complain. to Porsche, but I take your point. But you know what I mean? I subscribe to Alpha or I subscribe to whatever. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. just in that world. Yeah. Now, yeah. Porsche is not the bad world to be in. However, that's but, going to be astronomically expensive. But Clutch, the, the folks out in Atlanta, the, the concept there is you're paying your monthly fee and you can have a sports car this weekend and you can have an SUV next week right. for the camping oh, you trip. And you're, and you're, so you're hopping brands and you're staying in car ideas. It's, it's an it's interesting idea. It's pretty cool, but I still think people are going to want to own the special car. Theoretically. Whatever that is. That's, you know, I just want access to this car. The mm-hmm. newer stuff, okay, that can come and go. But I still maintain that you want your fun car. That's that's going to be in your garage. There's going to be the curmudgeons like me as well that don't want to subscribe to everything. I like to own a couple of things. I like them to actually be mine and you can't come take them if I don't pay the fee this month. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway. Right. All right. So, yeah, Volvo is uh, now doing the subscription thing. And other news, speaking of Porsche. Yes. Yay. We've the, all seen this. The 911 GT2 has now set a production car record at 6 minutes and 47.3 seconds. Which is like Four. 5 seconds faster than the Huracan that did one that was controversial last year. And it's isn't it like 10 seconds faster than the 918? It's faster, which is mind-boggling. But because the Huracan beat the 918. So this is like yeah. 10 seconds faster than the 918. Now... I would be very curious what tires are on the GT2 
And if you put the same tires on the on the 918, what would the 918 run? Because I bet you tire technology has moved on some. True, but the 918 is not that old. And they say what the tires were somewhere in here. Uh, a couple of guys. It was Lars Kern and Nick Tandy. So these were the guys doing the driving. And they're VLN guys, right? Which yeah, means VLN they know guys. the ring. Uh, Nick Tandy's the Porsche Le Mans prototype driver. He'll be okay. And factory test driver. He'll be driver. okay, yeah. They were saying, oh, it's uh, standard N-Spec Michelin Pilot Sport Cup 2s that okay. come on the car. Now, yeah. that's a special tire, definitely. Yeah, I just wonder about that tire on the 918 if that wasn't the but, spec tire. Okay. Very interesting. Uh, here's the thing about this whole article that I find unbelievable. Because one of these, the Huracan's an example, the 918's an example. One of these pops up every six months. Some manufacturer does a throwdown. It's all over the internet. It's the thing we're all applauding. There's the ticker tape parade. Here's the video. Watch the POV. We got a new ring rap- record. But the little side note in this article that I thought was fascinating is that each of these two drivers had multiple laps mm-hmm. that, were, that were 650 or below. Yeah. So while we're championing the 647.3, which don't get me wrong, I watched the POV of it. I'm not a guy that normally just sits and watch those. It was like the world went away. I just watched it jaw-dropped for apparently six minutes and 47 seconds. But, <laughs> but it crazy. was amazing, But which, yeah. is, which is crazy fast. Uh, but um, And having driven the ring, you watch it and you watch a lap go by that fast and it kind of warps your brain. Oh, yeah. If you, just, know, if you know the ring at all, if you know the ring at all and you're watching a lap go by that quickly, it, it's surreal. It's but but the fact that these guys both were putting in multiple laps faster than the Huracan mm-hmm. outside of this hero lap that shocks me. And here I am, of course, I'm in heaven over here. I mean, <laughs> fanboy, I, I admit you are. it. You are, but I do have to tease Porsche a little bit for saying a little while back, saying, you know what, the ring records and lap records are not what we're chasing. True, true. This is not our thing, and here then they have to throw down. Uh-huh. Now, they did in a consistent manner. It wasn't a one-off. It wasn't a yeah. magical one lap, yeah, and we yeah. finally did it. No, to your point, we did multiple sub-650 laps. Mm-hmm. But now here we are chasing the lap times again. Of course we are. Of course we are. I'm yeah. not surprised, but it was just sort of like, all right, yeah. stop being yeah, disingenuous. Sure. Just embrace it. For sure. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. And I am. I'm just over <laughs> the edge. Of course you are. Of course I'm you are. Over the moon, and I'm all about it. But yeah, I have to tease him a little bit. Just come on. Just admit it. <laughs> and they have. And they're all celebrating. Unbelievable. Whatever. Unbelievable. I, I just – but this is this is the problem. With uh, And you've made the joke before about boats and other things. This is the problem if you're trying as a consumer to buy the big thing. Because if you were a 918 owner and you bought the 918 because it was the super Porsche, (laughs) the GT2, which costs almost a tenth of your 918, has just – Retail. MSRP. Yeah. Has just done – a fa- is now f- the faster, bigger daddy Porsche than your 918, mind you. And here's the GT2, but you know what? What comes out six months from now that breaks that record or challenges that record? And I'm not saying Porsche, just in general. You know, the, the joke is once you buy a yacht, the guy pulls up next to you with a bigger yacht. I mean, there's always that. Yeah. So yeah. you can't buy cars for this reason. That's the big thing I'm trying to say here. True. But at the same time, this is a jaw-dropping result. It does seem weird that Porsche is now willing to cannibalize even its top supercar. Yeah, I know. But the fact that they can with a 911 uh-huh, is uh-huh. phenomenal. And the fact that they continue to just trickle out incremental yeah, improvements. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, I'm sure the Cayman GT4 RS is coming. And then another Cayman is coming that'll do, you know, London to New York in under three hours or something ridiculous. (laughs) The new supersonic (laughs) GT3. Yes. It's all coming, but it's all incremental improvements Mm -hmm. and it still improves. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Moore's law for, for uh, silicon tech, you know, for doubling for chips. Yeah. Aren't we slowing down now? Shouldn't we, we be? Yeah. You know, kind of hitting the peak, aren't we? You'd think. You'd but think. But no, they still do Gosh. it with another 911. So much love there. And then a last piece of news here before the break is uh, Dyson. Uh-huh. Known for hand dryers and uh, other things. Volks that make things suck. Va- <laughs> Let the jokes begin. Suck or blow. Or blow. Because yeah. hand dryers and vacuums. That's true. And they have the weird... Uh, circular looking fan thing ionizer that, that, that oh that's things, right things that suck and blow this is what dyson is dyson is known for <laughs> and i'm sorry for all of the thoughts but yeah that, that really <laughs> that should be their shirt we should make them a joke shirt <laughs> we should steal their font and it just says on the front really big in their font dyson and then underneath it really small you have to get close like it says, cursive things that suck and blow so apparently, anyway, James this, Dyson, this, this podcast just became slightly non-family friendly. <laughs> but anyway, we'll we'll steer it back on course here because you know James Dyson has found his billionaire hoodie. Apparently, he's throwing for sure two billion at the fact they are building an electric car. Here's which Dyson. will probably be well done. They're building an electric car. It's been in the works for a while, as a matter yeah, of fact. Yeah. Secretly, yeah. he announced it. To all of his employees, as well as at simultaneously announcing it to the world, saying, we're doing <laughs> By this. The way, I'm guys. sure you know, you're over here working on the next fan going, well, how come I wasn't chosen Why for that am I project? doing hand dryers? You're building a car you're in building, there. Come on. How did I get on that team? So, yeah, investing £2 billion, actually that's $2.6 U.S. to the project. Apparently, they intend on having this electric car to the market by 2020. I hope James Dyson isn't turning into Elon because if he's going to, you know, do that, he's got to overpromise and under under deliver on everything he puts his mind to. But well, but we're going to need a lot more speeches. I kind of don't think so. We're going to need a lot more speeches. More speeches, big reveals. Definitely, the hoodie has to be part of that. Yeah, he's 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 a little old for hoodies, but he's going to have to embrace hoodies for sure. I mean, and then you know, do you plug your vacuum in somewhere in the car? Does it come with hand dryer tech? I don't know. Hey, you know, Honda's been putting uh, vacuums in the Odyssey for a while. Maybe Dyson can merge the realities, and he has his own car that has his own vacuum in the back. Could you drive your electric car through your house and get it clean? Maybe. I'm just wondering. This is the thing. This guy has invented enough stuff that, um, yeah, he probably could figure it out. And I will say this. There's an interesting thing here. And this, honestly, this is not intended to be a slight at either side of this equation. But I do want to point this out. From what I understand, Elon Musk is an idea guy. He's not an inventor. Oh, no. Dyson is an inventor. Very true. He's the guy in the back room figuring out how this works. He I'm has very design and engineering intrigued. chops. I'm yes. very intrigued to see what is his electric car. Now, I'm not taking a thing away from Tesla because their cars are impressive. And Elon Musk did that good leadership thing of hiring people that know what to do and then pushing on them hard. I get it. But Dyson is the actual inventor of this stuff. And I'm very – and not that he doesn't have people helping, but you follow what I'm saying. Yes. He's in there figuring it out. At least that's the reputation that he has. I'm very curious about what this will be. And to that point that he has decided to build his own battery technology, I haven't heard any announcements from any car company globally saying, you know what? We're going to use the Gigafactory supply of Tesla batteries to power our car. Nobody wants to use anybody else's batteries, yeah. Exactly. So – Maybe that's just for Tesla, but I kind of got the idea because it was a joint venture with Panasonic mm-hmm. that they were building, a, you know, electric battery tech 
that helps other manufacturers get in the game because all of his patents were open source. They were, yeah, yeah, he yeah. just said, Hey, I welcome the competition. So for I sure. kind of got the idea. Sure. It was all right, Audi, BMW, Porsche, who wants some batteries? I've yeah, got batteries yeah. right here in Reno, Nevada. He's going to have to make, I mean, we talked about the electric gas stations, all that kind of stuff. There has to be a, an actual income stream for Tesla that is outside of cars mm-hmm. because the cars are not going to cut it. But I mean, based on what we've seen so far, but you know, the other thing I have to ask isn't an issue yet, but I see the coming problem. We've <laughs> talked many. about well, we've talked about how the electric cars, while getting all the press, are this tiny, like one two percent of the market. But if every one of these car companies starts making an electric car, and every one of these car companies starts making their own batteries, those batteries are all made from the same mined chemicals and minerals out of the earth. Oh yes, Strip what mining. happens to Strip those prices? Right now, it's one to two percent of the market, and the prices are not that bad. And everybody talks about how the prices are coming down. But if everybody's fighting for the same stuff, if you will, to make these batteries, and there's that much competition, how much is that going to change the landscape of what these cars cost? Not because of, I mean, it's just getting the batteries built. There is going to be a limited supply. I hate to say it, but it's oil all over again in its own way. Kind of, but this is why we're going to subscribe to car ownership. It it's not. But I mean, it's not. I'm not talking about it's oil because of a pollutant factory. I'm talking about uh, just the commodity itself to make the batteries. There's not much of it. It's not like it's the, they're made out of clay. You know what I mean? So you got everybody is starting to chase these <laughs> same rare commodities. It's, it's like everybody needs diamonds. This is a problem. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I just, I, I, I'm just, I'm just posing, posing the idea. What happens when everybody's chasing this same small amount of, of whatever this commodity limited is? Limited supply. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, we're not there yet, so we can just kind of dance in the sun over here, right? We can dance in the sun. We can burn our, our dino juice, and we can apparently subscribe to Volvo. Yeah. I love it. All right, guys. Well, we've got a couple advertisements coming your way. A quick break. Uh, we'll take a breath and then be right back with debate and Facebook and Instagram questions. There's a new show coming to A&E called Undercover High. It's a groundbreaking new docuseries. It gives a no-holds-barred view of the life and mind of today's American high school students. I know that sounds odd, but it's like a 21 Jump Street thing they're doing here. It premieres October 10th. It's 12 episodes. What they've done is they're taking seven adults from a variety of cultures, ages 21 to 26. So they're not even high school age, and they're putting them undercover in these high schools. They're embedding them in a high school in the Topeka, Kansas, Highland Park High School, and they're going to be there for the entire year. They're undercover as typical students. They do it all, attending classes, making friends, participating in school clubs to provide an inside look at what it's like to be a teenager today. They've all got their personal motivations to help them enact positive change, but they're unaware of each other which is crazy. They arrive on campus and they only meet the school administrators and select members of the community. And only those people know their true identities and the reason for being there from bullying and the pervasiveness of social media to the struggle to excel in the classroom, of course, and navigating constantly evolving social standards. These participants are going to discover all these challenges and complexities, and it's going to prompt important conversations about the issues our youth face today in high schools across the country. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting real price on actual inventory. There's nothing worse than getting there and they go, well, we don't have that actual car you looked up. So a lot of times that's not the case, but with True Car, it is the case. 
You can configure a car online, use a true car certified dealer. The pricing that you get is on actual inventory. There is a car that backs up that price. There are over 13,000 true car certified dealers nationwide. And true car users are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with these true car certified dealers. And plus, true car users save an average of over 3,000 off MSRP. Don't get me wrong. This is not true car says, we think the price is this. No, the true car certified dealer says this is the price for the car. True car is the conduit. So you want to work directly with true car, go to true car and find the car you want. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets. Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No. I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. All right, we're back with the debate here. We've only got one debate because, as you can see, we had so much to talk about, so much news. It's And I have three cars. Already. I st- sorry, I have <laughs> to keep saying just it. now sinking it's, into you. No, it's just that I have to keep saying it because I can't believe it. it it's a thing. Is your insurance agent calling you? Say you have three cars now. By I, the way, you, but this but happy but Thursday no, afternoon. No, but, You've but, got three cars. But here's here's I'm going to go now. Here's the here's the thing. Here's why I think it's freaking me out. <laughs> I mean, I realize I am a long term adult. I've been an adult for some time now. <laughs> You've been adulting what, for a while. But what shocks me is that nowhere in the process was there a checking question. Was there a question where somebody was like, do you really? Should you really? There really wasn't. I mean, as far as the bank, the insurance company, all these people, the guy I was buying the car from, it was just like, yeah, all right, here, car. It's like, And so and I'm driving away in car number three. I'm going, what weird parallel universe just did I just kind of – I walked through a wormhole and came out with three cars. What I love is oh, I broke my Lotus. I'll just go buy another car. It's not how it worked. <laughs> It's not how it works. I have to tease you. I know that's how it seems, but it's not how it works. <laughs> Broke Plus, the Lotus. Uh, just go get a Mini. Whatever. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> and then here's what's more absurd. The, the Mini is a year older than the Lotus, and I get in the Mini, and the Mini's quite nice inside because I'm comparing it to a Lotus. Well, yeah. Compare anything to a Lotus. And and the Mini, you and I have joked before about the fact that when we drove them back to back, watch our piece on the Fiat 500 versus the, uh, the the base Fiat 500 versus the va- base uh, original Mini, we talk about how the 500 has such a vertical seating position. It's like mm-hmm. you're sitting on a High box. High H-point, yeah. It's like you're sitting on a box. It's like the seating position you see the guys in the UPS vans have. Yeah. And we've yeah. always talked about how much better the seating position is in a Mini. <laughs> yes, unless you got out of a Lotus. <laughs> and then the seating position in the Mini feels like, again, like you're driving the UPS truck. It's a weird world, but I mean. couldn't you say that about anything? You could blah, 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 blank, blank, unless you got out of a Lotus. Fair. Fair. Insert comment You're right. here. You're right. Whatever that is, go through a car wash, just drive it normally, unless you got out of a Lotus. You know, and in, and, and in, my, <laughs> in my weird things that happened to me this week, in trying to test the fuel pump theory, I got the Lotus bump started. Did I tell you this story? No. Bump started the Lotus. You're kidding me. Were people pushing you? Uh, I had, had, had a friend help me push the car, which isn't hard. But I was going to say, you don't need a whole... But but here's the impressive part. You could almost just stick a leg out the door and push yourself. Almost. Here's the impressive part. I started by helping, and then with the car rolling, was able to climb in the Lotus with it rolling. I'm quite proud of myself. You slithered in that car then. I lifted myself off the pavement, folded myself in half, praying mantis style, landed in the Lotus properly in order to try to bump start the car. Oh, that's a video. It's If you could bump start it yourself, leave the door open, 
start pushing and slither into the car to pop the clutch. I just can't believe that I was able to pull it off while the car was in motion. It's hard to get in and out of that car anyway, but I did it in motion. I still, I'm amazed I didn't break something or run over my own foot. Anyway, <laughs> well, Lotus we Lessons, have, uh, we're back. <laughs> we have Mike in Israel writing to us. He's 42. He's got two kids and a dog. He works in high tech. And thank you, Mike. You've been listening for yeah. a long time. He said quite some time watching the videos, listening to the podcast. And uh, we appreciate it so much. He said, listening to the podcast is almost like a forehand massage, which is a really strange comment. He, he, wait, I have to back this up. He was talking about he's listened to the podcast while driving his Miata on a great road. That's the full thought there. It's still it's weird. It's still strange. It's still it weird. doesn't take the strangeness away. You and I massage very odd. Forehands. But I follow the concept of what Mike's trying to get okay. across. The point is that he likes what we do, which is cool. So thank you, sir. Uh, he's looking for a new used family or luxury car because he has this ND Miata. Loves it. Yeah, and so, he sent a photo. Did you see the photo with his Indy Miata and his son? One. No, I didn't see that one. That's really cool. cool. That's cool. But he has the, really cool. the, the full fun car part covered, which is great. And we're replacing his kind of family car and his wife's car. This is an older Volvo that we are replacing here. It is a 2013 Volvo S80 T5. Yes, agreed. So, of, uh, of course, he's an enthusiast because uh, by virtue of the Miata ownership – doesn't necessarily make you an enthusiast, but you know what I mean. He drove the ring two years ago as a 40th birthday present from his wife. And apparently it took him five months to stop talking about it. But now you're talking about it here. So you still haven't. Come on the pilgrimage trip with us. I was going to say. You've Drive the come. ring and spa. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> you've only just started. All right. So uh, he, he relapses, of course. He did some track driving in Cyprus in a variety of cars and has been to the Vegas track in a Porsche, Ferrari, and a Lamborghini. Which is awesome. This is interesting. This debate here is very interesting because he's in Israel, but he works mm -hmm. in high tech and commutes to California quite a lot. Yep. So he's familiar with the car ownership and uses Turo here a lot in the States. But also cars are more than double in Israel due to yep. taxes yep. and a smaller market, meaning fewer car importers and dealers, and of course, higher prices. And so with his Miata here, he brought it directly in from Germany to save 15% Israeli dealership profit. He went to Germany and bought it and brought it back. I think Great that, move. that really informed me a little bit when I started thinking about this car debate, actually. Okay. The fact that he did that. Yeah. Because there's the way around the problem. Because he sends us the sites and the info for how to shop in Israel, and I keep thinking, wait a minute, you shopped outside of Israel to get your Miata. Right. Why not do that again? I agree. I'm all about it because of the new car prices, which he goes on to tell us are astronomically high. And so he's very concerned about paying higher maintenance costs on premium brands and also older cars. So he's yeah, really gravitating yeah. towards newer cars, even though, what's it, 2013, did you say? Yeah, yeah, 2013. 2013, which is not an old car. It's not. And he, and he talks about how it's got 60,000 miles, and he's thinking, we probably should get rid of this before it starts to have problems. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, it's a third of the mileage on my Mini. <laughs> but no, but, but 60,000 miles is not a whole lot of miles on any modern car, really. He also didn't disassemble the supercharger and file little parts while watching TV this for is true. a year. This is true. Yeah. And reassemble the supercharger. This so is it's true. Perfect. All right. So an average of 130% tax on cars. Yep. So a Cayman would cost more than 130000 Uh The Miata he got for sixty. Yep. The Volvo he got used uh, three years old for 45000 So he definitely Some appreciates. smart shopping going on here. Yeah, the for appreciating sure. thing. For sure. I mean, we found, I mean, you and I have talked about the UK and luxury cars. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if it's right-hand drive cars or not necessarily. I don't know how that factors in. It's also that it's Fall that off a cliff. It's also that they have a they have a sliding uh, car tax scale that relates to how old your car is and out of date and the amount of pollution. So all of these things work against those older luxury cars. All right. Uh, so Mike's budget here is about fifty to sixty thousand U.S. All mm-hmm. right. So keep yep. that in mind. Yep. And it gives us a laundry list of cars to go through. What I love is. You have the cars you're gravitating to already because yeah. of what you guys want to use this car for. You're taking trips. You just want comfort is really mm-hmm. all you're looking for. It's the usable, which is also the different point here for sure. It's the usable, comfortable family car. And he goes on a little tirade here and says, "I hate SUVs. I want a sedan." And then he asks Fair us. Enough. He asks us. Am I missing something? Because he feels like a really nice luxury sedan is a better place to be and a nicer ownership experience than a big luxurious SUV. I want to speak to that a bit, but I think it's interesting that you're leaning much more sedan. And you're right, Paul. There's there's no need here to do any enthusiast bent on this car. I mean, it's kind of the exact opposite. So many people write to us and say, I've got the family sedan covered. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. what fun car should Mike's I get? Doing the so opposite, it's for very sure. much the yeah, opposite. Which is great. So I, I like that you're familiar with you know the the market in the U.S., Mike. And uh, starting with the Lexus GS, you rated. I've got to go through this list here. Rated various cars, starting with this GS that has intrigued the daylights out of you, because the 2016 GS 300H is about 67k. But you're saying you don't like CVT transmissions, which yeah. could be a problem there. Yeah. Volvo S90 is on the list saying, should I wait for the Volvo S90 to now get older? Maybe those come off lease. Yeah. People trade them in. Probably a couple years out. I mean, that's the I, question. I still think, yeah, that's what's your out. mileage. How much are you concerned about that 60,000 mi- miles? I feel like you talk about not putting a whole lot of miles on a car every year in here. And that you, if you do road trips across the country, that's maybe 200 miles because the country's mm-hmm. not big. So um, th- that – in a couple of years, what's your Volvo going to have on it? 80000 I don't feel like that's a problem if you really want to keep it and hang on for that S90. But we're talking about a car debate from two-plus years from now if you wait. And he said he doesn't put a lot of miles per year. So it could be longer, but that still is low mileage yeah, in okay. terms of you know the car. You've got Audi, BMW, Mercedes, so the German triplets on here. Yeah. And I feel like, yes, there's something to consider there, but you already own a Volvo, which tells me you're already open to the alternative choices that are still good and you're you're open to this already. You're not just saying, all right, just the German sedans, let's go for that. So you're open to it, it sounds like, but you're not really relying on these. You found a 2016 BMW 528 base model for 75K. Wow, E-Class Oof. is similar, so we can leave that there for now. Moving on to the Infiniti Q70, and he's asking us, is a 2016 model that costs 65 k is this worth a look? Q70, what do you think? Um, I think because it's an alternative. I mean, we're talking about, it's it's the... I don't know the way to put it. It's a Lexus alternative. I would say it's more that than it is a German alternative. It's a Lexus alternative. It's a Lexus alternative. And I think for that reason, because they sell them there, I think you should certainly give it a look. I'd be very curious to see what you think. My opinion is, in general, unless you get the F-Sport versions, the Infinity stuff tends to have a little bit more of an enthusiast bent. But it depends on did you get their fly-by-wire steering and then you've killed it. And I mean, which... But on the other hand, none of that might matter here. Fair, fair. Yeah. That might not 
that might actually be a good thing. You know what? The enthusiast thing, we're kind of leaving yeah. that alone. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's worth a drive. I like your point, but I think it's worth a drive as an alternative. And I challenge you, Mike, when you drive the Lexus and the Infinity, mm-hmm. to really tell me what is unique. What is the Lexus About DNA the that you them. feel? Yeah. And what is the Infinity DNA that you feel? Yeah, that's I'm good. I'm really curious as yeah. to your answer. I mean, I think the Infinity, look, this is a this is an irrelevant scale, I guess, but I think the Infinity is more interesting looking and it's less common and that makes me like it more. But if you're talking about buy a car Is it British and it doesn't run? <laughs> I'll buy it. Stop. Sure. Thank you. Here's my money. Well, you know what? I deserve that. Well done, <laughs> sir. Well done. But the... <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to stop. Check, please. It's British. Doesn't run. I, I have a place I could park that in my yard right here. There's weeds that could grow up to I it. It's going to be awesome. That. I, I, I needed another that. planter. Okay. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, it, but no, I think the Infinity is is the more interesting choice here. But let's be honest. The Alexis GS is just going to run. It is. It is. So what else is on here? Jaguar XF. He's got a 2015 3-liter or a 2016 2-liter, which is also a good alternative from a long-term perspective, I think it's in the class of Volvo as sort of, yeah, it's going to do well for a while. 60,000 miles might start making you think, all right, how's yeah, maintenance yeah, going to be from yeah. here on out? I think it'll get there very easily. And then, you know, after that, unknown. Cadillac CTS is on the list, but apparently they don't have a good reputation there. Interesting. Mm. And then you're kind of going back here, a pretty old Mercedes S-Class, because Mike says a 2011 S300 will be around the price of uh, CTS, looks like, and he could get a better deal. Yeah. But then again, you're getting an older S-Class, and then, you know. But we've, we've said it before. Talked about maintenance. We've said it before. The older you go, well, that's not the best way to put it. If, if you buy a $100,000 car for fifty. Or the Phaeton I've talked about buying for a tenth of its original price. You're still maintaining a car that was $100,000 originally. Yeah. It has those kind of maintenance prices. You may have bought it for twenty grand, but it doesn't. It isn't going to cost to be maintained like a twenty thousand dollars car. It's just not. You have to think about those things if you buy the big old S class. I think it's interesting, but um, that is a thing you have to brace yourself for for sure. In terms of the luxuriousness you're looking for, Mike, you're asking us about SUVs. You're saying, you know, am I wrong about the whole SUV thing? Yeah. At least in the States, the midsize, that CUV class is going bonkers. For sure. Yeah. Everybody yeah. wants that car. I mean, Europe too, for yeah. that matter, but everybody wants that class mm-hmm. and, you know, sit up higher and it is easier to get in and out of. It's good for all kinds of groceries and stuff you want to haul. And it's become a thing. It remains a thing. It is. It's good. So I, I don't want to say you're wrong. You're more than welcome to be entitled to your opinion. I just think that it's not something to just be closed-minded to because you might find, say, a Mercedes SUV that yeah, really yeah. speaks to you. And that's okay to allow uh, yeah. yourself to do that. I, I, th- I think that's the key thing. I, I wouldn't. I would rather you were in a sedan, Mike. I'll be honest, because SUVs are what everybody drives. I get that. I get that. And I agree with you also that a sedan, a full-size sedan for your family should be plenty of room. I also agree with that. Of course, I'm mm-hmm. the guy that drives tiny cars. Having said all of that, though. Tiny British I, non-working cars. Exactly. I, having <laughs> said all of that, the Mini's running fine, thank you, uh, with its 180,000 miles. <laughs> the, I have, having said all of that, though, uh, Paul's point is very valid in that don't completely throw out the SUVs because what's interesting about SUVs now and I'm going to use uh, Porsche and Mazda as examples. If you climb into a Mazda car or a Mazda SUV, like the the 
the 6 followed by the CX-5. Mm-hmm. The interior materials feel about the same. The interior quality and the look and the design, it feels like it's kind of the same class. It's a slightly different shape. Same thing <laughs> if you hop from the Panamera to the, the Cayenne. Panamera's got a wonderful sure. interior. It's a nice place to be. These are nice materials you got in the Cayenne. It's all, all of the above is still true. So you're not losing anything on luxury. It's a, it's a size, ride height, and shape difference more than it is anything about luxury. Because at this point, the SUVs are trading punches on luxury features and ride quality too, in most cases. So it's about, do you prefer that form? And in the US, everybody does. But it's, you're not losing anything in the luxury department, not anymore. I could also argue, try to argue at least, center of gravity. Because those sedans are lower to the ground, therefore yeah. they should be more fun, handle better, all that stuff. Yes. Yes. Until you've got cars like the X5M and yeah. the Cayenne that yeah. do inexplicable things on track. That defy physics, yes. And you right. think, okay, well that's not, I can't argue that Gotta anymore. Gotta throw that out now. That's weird. I agree with you. I mean, Mike, we could go on. I mean, why is Acura not on your list? And why are the weird, you know, the Maseratis and the Alphas and all these luxury cars that are really expensive and then a few years later, they're at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Hey, I could pick one of these up. Yeah. Phaeton. I'm not I'm not sure mm. if I'm not sure if Acura is, is even sold there, but you know, you just <laughs> joked, but I want to come back around. I do want to ask why more recent Phaetons aren't on the list. I mean, because if he can get we to saw Europe, a bunch in Europe, if he can get fact. to Europe, which he bought in Miata in Germany, which is where he bought his Miata. Yeah. My question is, what's a used Phaeton? Now, I think the bigger question is, can you get it serviced in Israel? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. But they it, sell Volkswagens there, do they not? I, yes, but Phaeton's a special little animal. But <laughs> the, but the thing is, the thing is though, big animal. Yes, the thing is though. I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like you hear about maintenance issues for the older Phaetons, which I'm still intrigued by. You hear about that. <laughs> I'm smiling over but here. But yet I feel like that the that the more recent Phaetons in Europe kind of exist in this doesn't really raise an issue in any direction. It's a But you've talked about wanting to have a car that's a little bit interesting. Is there another Phaeton in Israel? Go to Germany, get a used Phaeton, and I'm not talking like I'm the absurdity I'm talking where you buy a 10-year-old one. I'm talking about buying one two years old right. that's got 20,000 miles on it right. and run it for the next 30 or 40. I bet you that Phaeton will run without a hitch for that kind of mileage. Oh, I'm sure. So that's why, that's why I really – because I think that is the more interesting alternative to the BMWs and the Mercedes and Audis of the world. What about a more recent Phaeton? And, and I'm genuinely asking the question about – what could you get one for? Could you get it serviced? You've asked us to list to you, what are you forgetting? I think that's what you're forgetting. I'm not saying it's the answer, but let's look. If you just want to go safe, reliable, runs, you're right, Lexus. The Volvo's going to be a wait for your money, mm-hmm, and I do mm-hmm. think the Infiniti's a great alternative. If you go, if you look at the Jaguar, I think you're going to want the bigger engine. Yeah, that could very well be. And I, yeah, are you a Jaguar buyer? You might be. I, yeah. I I like the Lexus and the Jag, and once I give you my comments about the GS, you're never going to unsee this. But on the current GS, there's a shoulder line styling hard line that runs the mm-hmm. length of the body side and does a dip right at the rear door handle for inexplicable reasons, and it ruins the line for me. Go look at this car. It dips like somebody... Bumped the designer's elbow when he was drawing, right. and they just went with it in cheat metal. Yep. Let's capture that. Yep. It's inexplicable. It disrupts the surface. I don't like it. H- how do you feel about it, Paul? Don't, don't hold back. However, bud. 
of all these cars, I think it's going to be the most worry-free. Oh, I think for sure. I mean, that's what Lexus and is for known resale for. resale value. That's what Lexus is known for. I mean, it's... you're right, Mike. I mean, depreciation, comfort, reliability, all that stuff, because this doesn't get driven and it's going to sit and you just want it to be there for you when you're ready. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I do like the Lexus and they have kind of led the way between, you know, the Japanese luxury cars, Accurate, yeah. Infinity. yeah. You know, Mazda, even the Koreans and with Genesis, that could be a consideration. But the new Genesis from Hyundai is too new mm. to enter into this discussion right now. But the but the prior ones weren't bad we, either. And, and what was bad. the Kia? What was it? The K900 or whatever? K9, it was the, it, Whatever. It was the, the Kia zeros. equivalent. Yeah, just throw zeros at it. It'll be better. So there's that as well. I mean, you could look at those. Those are alternatives. Those are, we've said it before, those are to the market right now where Lexus was when it first arrived. They are the, They're getting very why good. are they this cheap? Yeah. But it's an interesting alternative car. So you could look at those. I think those are great alternatives as well. If they sell them in Israel, and honestly, I don't have that page in front of me to know that. Hopefully something here is proving helpful, Mike. I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I love that you're shopping for something that is so opposite of what we normally are chasing. That's why I was so intrigued yeah. by this debate. And so I'm going Lexus. I like your Phaeton idea. I like the newer ones. And I do like the styling on those cars. And I have to think, They're if you get... Really attractive. If you, if you can shop low... Don't get a new one. But if you can shop low mileage, couple years old, he's not putting a lot of miles on and he's going to get rid of it by 60,000 miles. I kind of go, that's the sweet spot for Phaeton ownership. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. No, Mike, thanks for writing. Thanks for listening as well. If you've got your own debate, write to us at TV at gmail. Dot com And on the website, everydaydriver.com, you can find us there. And lots of people are sending us questions there for their mm-hmm. debates. But general random questions are what we're going to get to now. And that is covered on social media. So you can see in the afternoons, well, actually in the mornings, right before we debate, we uh, before we record Repost, the podcast, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're asking for, hey, what are your general questions? And that's what people are writing to us. And I want to start off Facebook here okay. from Alvaro. He's asking what are your views regarding selling your car to a friend? Mm, I saw this one. Do you believe if something goes wrong with the car, the relationship or the friendship would be affected? As a matter of fact, I've had personal experience doing this very thing. Mm-hmm. The Audi wagon. I had a 2004 Audi Avant Ultrasport that I really loved. Yeah. It and was certif- this this <laughs> almost started the genesis of certified Paul own. I liked this car. This car was incredibly good shape. Yeah, keep it going. It was cool. Three liter. It was a rare car. Polished roof rails, on and on. It was great. So a friend of mine, he said a few years into my ownership, I owned that car for a while, as a matter of fact. A few years into ownership, he said, Paul, if you ever think about selling this, Give me a call. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And so at some point, uh, I had not actually been considering selling it. And he was in the market for something, but his budget was ten grand. And he said, would you consider selling your car to me? And I thought, you know what? I've still got, you know, the first Cayman. Yeah. And yeah. I don't really drive it as much. So, yeah, okay, I'll sell it to you. But he knew what he was getting. Mm-hmm. I had all the records. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, all that stuff. He had ridden in it. We had taken multiple road trips in it. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I I just said, look, I need to get ten grand out of this. He was trying to – he investigated, like, could I give you 9500 I said, no, Johnny, I yeah. want ten grand. Yeah, yeah. If you want it – It was worth it, yeah, for sure. It, it is worth it. He said, you know what? Okay. I think it had 70,000 miles on it at it the time. It was so clean, though. 
And so, it and he had multiple kids. And I, jo- I told yeah. you, I told you when it left. I just said, <laughs> I just, 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 you, don't visit your car because it will never yeah. be this nice again. But back to the question, though. Here's the thing: I think, I think it comes down to disclosure. You're right. If, if yeah, every car is going to have stuff that breaks. You cannot sell a car to any person on the planet, and nothing will ever go wrong with it. Something will go wrong with it. But I think we all, hopefully as adults, and certainly if it's your friend, understand that stuff breaks on cars, and that's a thing. But yeah, if, and but I hope your some, friendship is stronger and predicated exactly. on But at the same time, not like you cars. should you – know, let, let's hope if you're selling a car to a friend, you've had full disclosure about everything you know, everything you think might be going wrong, everything you think might need to be replaced. As long as that conversation has been had and been candid, then I think it can survive the conversation. It's you can't, you know, anything you might pull, and I'm not saying do this, nor do I want to, but anything you might try to pull on your typical used car dealer, don't pull that on your friend oh, because yeah, that's no. going to bite you. No. So disclosure and the person knowing the car well, why not? Absolutely. And your friend might have, in this case, Johnny had gone, gone with me. He'd yeah. driven the car before. Yeah, yeah. You know, he knew the car just almost as well as I did. The guy I bought my Lotus from bought the Lotus from a guy he knew that got it track prepped. Mm-hmm. And he'd driven it. It was his friend. He'd driven it track prepped and loved it and thought it was great. And that friend said, I'm going to get rid of the Lotus. And the guy I bought it from was like, oh, then I'm going to buy it because I don't want to see this car leave our circle. Yeah. No. So I, it happens. I agree. Could your Mini be the million mile Mini? What do you think? Hey. Matt's got his Lexus. I honestly, honestly, I'd like to see 200K and that would be a <laughs> without blinking. fantastic. I'd, I, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ratchet that back again. I'd like to make it till spring. That's my new standard. How about we just make it till the lotus runs I'd again? I'd like to make it till spring. The lotus is gonna run tomorrow. I'm gonna yeah, get it fixed. It, it'll be fine. I, I, I want it, I want the mini to make it till spring. That's and yes, for those of you wondering, there was somebody that made a comment. Was it leave it to Todd to buy the smallest possible front wheel drive car to be his winter beater? You're right, my friend. I did, of and of course there will be driving in the winter in a tiny little car videos because why wouldn't there be? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so what questions did you find interesting here? Um, Let's see. Uh, Chad, you asked a question on Facebook about um, did I document the alarm removal on the Elise? Well, as you're hearing, uh, it's ongoing. Uh, But, yes, I did document some of it. I will share some of that in a video. I'm not going to do a, like, replacing the alarm on the Elise. I'm not doing that. But in my my next video, which is going to be a lot of the things that I have learned about dailying an Elise so far, uh, that stuff, that that section will be included in there because I did do it. And then he asked about a review of kind of Lotus versus GTS. Paul and I want to do a canyon driving kind of 101 kind of piece mm-hmm. and use those yeah. two cars. We're realizing the weather is closing in now. It might not be, be shot until the spring, but we're going to do that for sure. Maybe we'll get it shot before the weather really hits hard, but we really want to do that piece. Agreed. Well, there's Lucky Jerk on Instagram asking, what things that other drivers do to their cars bother you when you see it on the road? So for him... It's when they put their license plate right in front of their intercoolers or radiators. Of course, blocking what the engineers designed to get massive quantities of air to make the car run. I also it's have to g- say, it's going to be fine. It'll be fine. <clears throat> Lyft started doing that. You remember when Lyft started? Oh, yeah. They were doing mm-hmm. the pink mustaches. The huge pink mustaches. Yeah. Covering the radiator. Uh-huh. Clearly, the intern didn't think, huh, yeah. Yeah. this giant opening is there for a reason. Yeah, these cars, cars are going to be, be sitting in traffic and not be able to breathe. Perfect. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Keeping with that theme, it's at least in the States, I see it as we approach the holidays. People put wreaths in front of their radiator yeah. to decorate their car for Christmas. Yeah. And it bugs the you-know-what out of me. 
<laughs> what a about wreath? What about the entire wreath? What about the Rudolph nose and the and the reindeer antlers coming out of the windows? Yeah, that bugs like me that a lot. But then yeah. I think, all right, you you your favorite sports team, and you've got the flags on uh-huh, game day, thing. and okay, but the the wreath, you're blocking, you're you're making your car work harder and mm-hmm. possibly fail. Funny. Good job, but you've got a festive car. But it's festive. Hey, that's key. That's yeah. key. I would say the um, because they actually were made in Park City, and thankfully they're less of a thing than they used to be. When I first moved here, the car eyelashes. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, but no. Please, please, please don't do that. That made a lot of money, though, didn't they it? They made a ton of money. Gosh. They made so much money that whatever the woman that, that invented it actually happened to live here in Park City. Heard the story when I moved here, kind of an urban legend thing. Her husband had some high-paying job. He promptly quit to run the business of managing the thousands of made-in-China car eyelashes they were sending around the world. They made a lot of money in a short period of time selling eyelashes for your car. I just want to reiterate that. It's got to be – I just uh, – okay, there it is. Well, Steve Urban, thank you for writing again. He's yeah. asking us our take on the Jaguar E-Type Zero concept. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. glad you wrote back. I've been meaning to answer this question. He's saying, is it an abomination to electrify a classic car like this? Or does wrapping a zero-emission vehicle in the 60s design with you know this beautiful 60s design sheet metal give the tech the sex appeal that the car industry as a whole mm-hmm. needs? I love this question. I did see the Jaguar Zero, the E-Type Zero. Personally, I'm in love with it, but you might have seen that coming because yeah, I yeah. love the tech integrating with cars. I love anything that's that's headed that direction, even though I still appreciate the manual transmission, four-cylinder diesel, world cars. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah. But here's a car that is probably among the most beautiful cars ever designed, ever Agreed. conceived. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the biggest automotive design icons ever. Could we also agree that the engine sound was nowhere near that? It never sounded like a Cobra or a name something, a Porsche or a Mustang. That inline six something. That amazing. inline six can sound really good, but but it's never on the list of reasons people love the E-Type. It's never just, and the engine. Right. The engine, when it runs well, could be gorgeous. A lot of people liked the V12 of the Series 3, but now True. the car was ugly. But anyway. It can, and it, it you're right. It, it is somewhat of a thing, but it's not like Aston Martin. I agree with you. Or it's not Ferrari the thing it's known for. I, I or, totally get your point. And so I think, all right, well, that was never a thing for me. And, and most of those cars that you hear, you can't hear them anyway. Yeah. Or when they're revved up, it doesn't sound really magical. So why not give this beautiful shape just whispering, gliding through the wind and give it an entirely different character? I love it for that reason. I, I think it I think his second point is really valid. Thanks for writing in again, Steve. And that is the fact that you're taking a technology that there's a whole segment of the market that are not going to entertain electric cars, including Tesla. They just don't like how they look. And here's a car that doesn't have any of that stigma. And by the way, it's electric. These retrofits are going to keep happening as electric cars become more uh, prolific. It's going to happen to all kinds of random cars. But I want to point out the irony here. I have to point out the irony. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the E-Type yeah. with its Lucas Electrics, where the number one thing on it that didn't work was the electrics. Yeah. And now we've made it an electric car. I love the irony of that reality. That's my favorite part about this, Steve, honestly. It's thick. I agree. I agree. All right. Any more questions for you before we wrap up? 
Uh, well, uh, two real quick. Uh, CJ DeGrossa on, um, I just butchered that, on Instagram. He asked about, uh, he's never heard anything about the automatic Chevy SS. Watch our Chevy SS piece because we had the automatic. That's right. So watch that video. Also, Depira03 on IG said, what are some good bargain t- tire performance, performance tire brands? One we've said before, I want to mention again, Kumo. Yeah, agreed. We both had Kumo tires on our cars. They are very good. If you want like a Michelin Pilot Super Sport alternative, their ultra-high-performance summer tires are like two-thirds the cost and 90 or so percent the performance. Mm-hmm. Kumo's a good one. I owned Yokohamas for a little while, but they were soft. They were good, but they yeah. just got chewed up really quickly. And But those can be pricey. The Kumos are genuinely yeah. pretty pretty inexpensive, which is one of the things I was very impressed by. I had them on the Sabru for a while. really liked them. I had them on the Z car before that. Good tires. I'm with you. All right, last question for me from Sean Clark on Facebook. He's asking me, which would be worse for me? Someone eating something in my car that leaves stains this. and smudges like chocolate or someone eating something that leaves crumbs like a Nature Valley bar? <laughs> I'll take the crumbs. I figured. All day long because, again, yeah, I don't want to have people eat in my car, but I don't mind the dirt. It's the you know abuse yeah. or damage yeah, that I mind sure. if you're sure. abusing or something like that. Dirt can be cleaned. Yeah. But stains and smudges, those are worked it's in. really hard. Stain a surface or whatever. Crumbs, I can vacuum. You're right. I can suck everything that's out funny. of there. So that's why we need the Dyson car. I yeah, guess. which which cleans itself, I'm sure. Yeah. It's got to clean itself. Yeah. The Dyson car both sucks and blows. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We should end the podcast before it gets yeah, worse. Let's, uh, let's wrap it right there, guys. Thank you again so much for listening, for watching. You know where to write to us if you've got your own car debate and looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Napa know-how. Right now, you can get a $20 prepaid Visa gift card by mail with the purchase of a Napa Legend Premium Battery. Its durability and power make it the obvious choice for people who hate getting stranded by a dead car battery. So pretty much everyone. The Napa Legend Premium Battery and $20 back. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. Limit two per household while supplies last. Offer ends 228.19. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. 
I'm Rita Foley.